Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Oh, man, we've got some doozies for you today. Fighting Democrats with themselves, which is always fun. Another really bad idea from Joe Biden. And we've got uh, Andrew Cuomo. Lots of crazy Andrew Cuomo coming at you. We're sponsored today by the Headspace app. And Jim, let's dive right into it. We've seen the infighting between you know, the the various polls of the Democratic Party, AOC versus Joe Manchin, not something that should be too shocking. But uh, now pretty much everybody's venting against Chuck Schumer, at least according to The Hill. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is in listening mode as colleagues are venting their disappointment over falling short once again of winning back the Senate majority. Schumer has presided over two conference calls in which his fellow Democratic senators analyzed the disappointing results of races in Iowa, Maine, Montana, and North Carolina, where they thought they had a good chance to knock off GOP incumbents. So many Democratic senators wanted to speak out during last week's call that Schumer scheduled a rare Sunday conference call to give them a second chance to unburden themselves. Apparently, he just listened most of the time while everyone vented. And uh, according to Jazz Shaw over at Hot Air, nobody is uh, challenging Chuck Schumer's position as Democratic leader in the Senate. But he wonders if things go south in Georgia. And since there's still an outside chance, he could still be majority leader. But if the Democrats do fail, he wonders if somebody like Cory Booker or Elizabeth Warren might end up trying to challenge him. At that point, it would be a little awkward since we'd already be into the new Senate. But uh, Jim... More popcorn, more fighting. Uh, doesn't sound like there's a lot of consensus on what went wrong, so that's fun too. Yeah, one of the things to keep in mind is that this sort of thing after disappointing years kind of par for the course. Everybody's always convinced the party didn't spend enough money in my state. That's normal. But I think you can genuinely make a, a strong argument that to the extent Democrats thought they had a, a shot at winning the Senate, um, I guess they still do have a possibility of a 50-50 state, but they, they thought they were going to have a big year in part because they talked themselves into believing they had a chance of winning in some traditionally very red states. Uh, we talked about Jamie Harrison in South Carolina, um, the open seat race in Kansas. Um, I guess it remains to be seen in the two states, uh, in the two races in Georgia. Um, but, you know, Iowa with Joni Ernst. Yeah, you know, the, Harkin was there for a very long time, but by and large, these were red or red-leaning states, and Democrats thought they had a shot, and it turns out that they didn't. And as the question is now, is that just presidential-level turnout? Trump brought out Republicans. They never really had a shot. Or was it that the actions of other Democrats, including the likes of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, kind of taint the image of the party and make it unelectable? And one of the things I periodically like to look back at is every time somebody says, you know, X is a red state, uh, Democrats never have a chance there. Uh, X is a blue state. Republicans never have a chance. Go take a look at the governor's races. Go take a look at uh, some of these races and see how far back it was. Yeah, in some cases, like ironically, Georgia, it had been many, many years. Texas, it's been many, many years. But, um, you know, Tester was in, uh, is in Montana. It wasn't that long ago that the Dakotas had four Democratic senators and Tom Daschle was from South Dakota. Um, Democrats probably should be asking themselves, if, we, if, if the, the, the coming battlefield, so to speak, if the coming territory that we want to win over and win back that will be vital to having a Senate majority is the middle of the country and is going to be states like Wisconsin, it's going to be states like Pennsylvania, it's going to be states like 
I guess Ohio is up there, Florida again, Portman and, and Rubio do not look like, you know, uh, easy guys to knock off, but stranger things have happened. You know, does it help to have the House, you know, the Senate Speaker of the House be from not just California, but San Francisco, and to have the Senate Minority Leader be from New York? We had joked about how uh, Chuck Schumer was going to end up in a whole bunch of Georgia ads for Republicans with his statement of how, you know, today, Georgia, tomorrow, the world, or, or whatever it was. And yeah, you know, look, that's an easy sell, right? Chuck Schumer is not a natural affinity to voters in Georgia, particularly rural Georgia. You kind of look at this and you say, all right, if, if the future battlefield of the Senate majority, you know, if the, where it's going to come down to is going to be states like Wisconsin, uh, where Ron Johnson may or may not run for another term, Pat Toomey in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm sure Democrats think they have a shot at the seats in Florida and Ohio, although honestly, I think Marco Rubio and, and Rob Portman are not you know, necessarily easy to beat. You know, does it help you to have a Chuck Schumer as the face of your party? Or would you be better off with somebody? I mean, he's not our favorite, but if you give me a choice between Chuck Schumer or Mark Warner, I think Mark Warner is a much easier sell uh, than Schumer is. So look, we'll be interested to see. It's really interesting that there's been really no talk of any serious challenge to Nancy Pelosi. And it now appears that there won't be any challenge for Chuck Schumer, even though there's this, you know, grumbling of discontent, because it's one thing to say you don't like the guy who's in charge. It's another thing to say, to unite behind an alternative. Um, but you know, Democrats have to be asking themselves, you know, if the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, how confident can they be heading into 2022 still being led by Schumer and Pelosi? Yeah, very different styles uh, now that you mentioned uh, Mark Warner. But uh, yeah, Chuck Schumer, you know, the thought that I have in my head is of him standing outside the Supreme Court when there was an abortion-related case, and he's out there saying, we're warning you, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, you'll reap the whirlwind. Whereas Mark Warner will stand there on, in the, you know, in the rotunda doing cable news interviews and sounding very reasonable and then voting 99 point something percent with the Democrats. So uh, I guess one probably does play better than the other. But uh, after living with Mark Warner for a long it's, time in Virginia. Yeah, it's not guaranteed, Greg. I, I'm thinking back to Tom Daschle and all the times he was disappointed with the Bush administration's uh, <laughs> approach and stuff. But, uh, you know. Again, you know, the, the Schumer style, I don't know how well it travels, particularly to the middle of the country. Yeah, which is probably reason why we would want them to keep him as leader. But, uh, you know, to, to each their own. But, uh, you know, whenever you lose an election, there's a lot of soul searching, uh, a lot of stress, mental, physical, otherwise, especially when there's a long overtime in, in some races. But, um, you know, life can be stressful under normal circumstances. And 2020 has taken that to a new level. Constant politics constant bickering. And then, of course, oh, yeah, a massive pandemic. So you got to find a way to relieve that stress. And uh, a lot of times you need to go beyond the quick fixes. And that's where the Headspace app can come in. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy to use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Are you overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Are you having some trouble falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has a morning meditation you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Now, I've not had the chance to use Headspace yet, but our chief of operations uh, raves about it. And uh, here's what he says about it. He says, covering this news cycle, 
Our employees definitely need to decompress and recharge each day. Many in our team use Headspace to refresh their minds, flushing out the daily buildup of conflict, chaos, and worries that drag all of us down. It makes them sleep better at night, and they're more focused during the day, and they feel better, which we all need in a year like 2020. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash martini. That's headspace.com slash martini for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash martini today. All right, Jim, let's talk about our bad martini now and another terrible idea floating around Democratic circles in uh, advance of a likely Biden administration. This is from uh, Free Beacon. American gun owners could face tens of billions of dollars in new taxes to keep the guns they already own under Democrat Joe Biden's gun ban and tax plan. At least 20 million rifles and 150 million ammunition magazines would be caught up in the sales ban and registration scheme that Biden touted on the campaign trail, according to a National Shooting Sports Foundation report. The new taxes would cost Americans more than $34 billion, according to a Washington Free Beacon analysis. And this was written by Stephen Gatowski, so uh, this guy knows his guns, trust us. Biden wants to ban new sales of AR-15 rifles and similar firearms, as well as any ammunition magazine holding more than 10 rounds, sizes that come standard on most modern rifles and handguns. He would pay some owners to surrender the affected guns they legally own and force everyone else to register the guns under the National Firearms Act. The proposal would require owners to pay a $200 tax stamp on each item. So uh, it says uh, the kind of rifles Biden wants to ban made up nearly half of all rifles produced in, in 2018. So clearly this would be massively ambitious. Jim, I don't know if this is something they think they could do with uh, an executive order, whether it'd have to be legislation. I'm guessing with a tax, you would have to to pass legislation. But uh, this is always something that uh, whenever they go after the guns, it never works well for Democrats. So do you think he'll keep his powder dry or do you think he's going to go for it? Well, the first thing for all of our listeners, if this seems like a bad idea to you, you may want to see what you can do about those Senate runoffs in Georgia. (laughs) These are the stakes because if Republicans have control of the Senate, it seems pretty likely this idea will die. And as you mentioned there, Greg, because Congress controls the purse strings, I, I'm, I think it would be very constitutionally dubious for a, Joe, a Biden administration to try to unilaterally impose, impose a whole bunch of new taxes, uh, particularly one that will generate the kind of political pushback that this one is. Um, if they do get to control the Senate, uh, you know, it's possible there'll be enough Democrats who would be wary about this. This would be a sweeping change to this. And I'm kind of struck by... If the Biden administration has said, well, we, we want to raise taxes on new gun purchases, they'd be you know grumbling about that. That would be popular. But no one would dispute that the government has the authority to impose that tax. The idea of we're going to put a tax on something you already own, that is going to get enormous amount of pushback. And I'm not sure how that much that how well that would hold up in court. But either way, this is a sign that there are some people who have just sweeping huge plans for gun control and changing the culture of this country and to basically abrogate the Second Amendment, if not through, they don't want, they, they won't go through the trouble of actually repealing it. They'll just try to make everything possible to make it difficult or expensive to own a gun. 
terrible idea. I don't think it would get too far, but, you know, there are a lot of ideas that end up getting a lot further than we think that common sense should have, you know, strangled in the crib much earlier. So we'll see how it goes, Greg. But this is a really ominous point, an indicator that, you know, one of the side effects of electing Biden is crazy ideas like this are not going to be dismissed out of hand with an administration that's, you know, full of Democrats. Even if they can't get to the tax point, let's talk about the ATF or Justice Department. What else could Biden do unilaterally without the legislative branch to make uh, Second Amendment uh, advocates miserable? Even if you couldn't get the, the tax, I mean, whenever someone talks about gun registration, you usually see somebody on social media who will say, well, that's when all of a sudden gun owners start losing their guns in accidents. <laughs> well, actually, officer, was, they fell off the boat and they're at the bottom of the lake somewhere. I don't know. And, you know. If you're going to search my house, you better have a warrant for that or something like that. I mean, there are you know, the reason many people who own guns are part of the Second Amendment community don't want to see gun registration is that that is more or less a prerequisite for gun confiscation. That once the government knows who has guns and where they are and where they live and where they store them and things like that, well, then it's a question of, okay, do we want to send our ATF guys to go and collect them or what circumstances or things like that? That is why they have always opposed Um, people having to register their guns with the government. Again, considering everything Biden wants to do, this would consume an enormous amount of political capital. But I can't, you can't be ruled out because there are some people in the Democratic Party who really, really, really want to enact as much gun control as possible. And they will see a Biden administration as their best opportunity to do this probably for a decade or so. Yeah. Going after guns has not been a successful tactic for Democrats in the past. Uh, Clinton did it in the crime bill. Uh, That didn't go well in the 94 midterms. Uh, It's come up in other campaigns and Supreme Court cases and everything else as well. Uh, Gun owners vote, and uh, they're going to make their voices loud and clear if the Biden administration heads down this path. Let's hope they think better of it. Hi, I'm Sarah Carter. On every edition of the Sarah Carter podcast, I say we're taking back the story. And that's exactly what we have to do. Whether it's the Russia hoax, the relentless attacks on President Trump pretending Antifa doesn't exist, or covering up for the repressive Chinese government, the mainstream media isn't interested in the truth. It's up to us to uncover the truth and share it with others. Please join me in taking back the story on the Sarah Carter podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Jim, let's end on the crazy side. And we do mean crazy. Andrew Cuomo is the governor of New York. Obviously, he believes himself to be the great COVID crusader. He's got a poster out showing how he beat COVID. He's got a book out claiming how he beat COVID. And oh, by the way, he's shutting everything down again. Uh, Stuff has to be closed after 10 o'clock. We talked earlier in the week about how he doesn't want Thanksgiving gatherings uh, more than 10 people. And so he's on the warpath again. And yesterday he had this wide ranging press conference that went off the rails in a number of different ways. First of all, he's furious with the sheriffs that we highlighted earlier in the week who won't go around peeking into people's windows and making sure that there are no Thanksgiving gatherings that are bigger than 10 people. Uh, He also was asked about uh, the situation with New York City schools yesterday because there was a lot of confusion about whether the mayor of New York City, uh, Bill de Blasio, or the governor gets to decide whether there's school or not. Here's the question from a Wall Street Journal reporter and uh, Cuomo's smug response. The other day you said this is the city's decision. They have an agreement at 3%. Today you said, well, I might have to impose an orange zone and I might have to close the schools, which an orange zone does. So what's going on? Does the city still have the ability to close its schools? Are you now taking control and saying that you have the power to make this decision? 
and for the millions of parents who want to know, are the schools going to open tomorrow in New York City? All right. First of all, let's try not to be obnoxious and offensive in your tone. Ah, you first, Governor. Uh, let's talk about later in the answer when Cuomo was uh, once again railing on the reporter and started yelling at him. Remember when we did an orange zone and a red zone in Brooklyn and Queens and we closed the schools? Don't you remember that? Okay, so don't you, so what are you talking about? How, what are you talking about? You're now going to override. We did it already. That's the law, an orange zone and a red zone. Follow the facts. I'm still confused. Well, then you're confused. I'm confused. And I then I'll tell you what, Jimmy. Parents are still confused as well. The schools oh, in they're not confused. Tomorrow. You're confused. Oh, that's always a winning political argument. Uh, Jim, it reminded me of the, uh, the dueling PA announcers at the beginning of the airplane movie with the white and the red zones for loading and unloading. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the zones in New York City. But the funny part is, is that Cuomo then yelled later on, yes, the schools are open tomorrow. And then we found out, actually, they're not open tomorrow because de Blasio closed them. So guess who was right in that whole exchange? And then later, as it uh, pertained to COVID, uh, Andrew Cuomo is firmly of the discussion that if you do everything you should, that he wants you to, to protect yourself, you couldn't possibly get COVID. And if you did, it's your own fault. And just to make it very simple, if you socially distanced and you wore a mask and you were smart, none of this would be a problem. It's all self-imposed. It's all self-imposed. If you didn't eat the cheesecake, you wouldn't have a weight problem. It's all self-imposed. What a winner this guy is, Jim. What do you make of all this? So, Greg, I am not a psychologist, but that won't stop me from pretending to be one. And, you know, if you if you had to say, wow, what? You know, Cuomo's always had some arrogance. He's always had a bit of a temper. He's always been, you know, uh, bristling towards anybody who questioned him. But what caused that? I mean, that, that was a, you know, a, you know, a pretty emotional meltdown in front of the cameras and really hostile to the reporters who are asking entirely reasonable questions. And if I had to guess, Greg, it's almost like you've, you know, taken this victory lap, you've portrayed yourself as the hero, you've, you've even gotten into the merchandising aspect of celebrating your victory over the coronavirus. Uh, you've written the book about how you beat the coronavirus, et cetera, et cetera, without actually beating the coronavirus. And at this moment, things don't look good in the state of New York. It don't look good across the whole country. But it's kind of you know interesting. You're wondering about how things are going in New York State in the last two weeks. Uh, cases are up 119 percent. Deaths are up 82 percent. Hospitalizations are up 66 percent. It's not as bad as it was in March and April. But let's face it, March and April were really, really, really bad. And now they're about half of how bad things were in in March and April. And the line is going in the wrong direction. Does this mean the, the states could go through another ordeal like the spring? Lord, we hope not. But if, you know, if you're Andrew Cuomo and you've basically spent the last couple of months saying, I'm the role model, I knew what I was doing, I'm exactly what every other governor, look at these, look at these you know, look at how much CNN loves me. It has nothing to do with the fact that my brother works there. Um, a big outbreak in your state is going to put a lot of egg on your face. and It's going to ruin whatever hopes you may have had of perhaps being the successor to Biden or of, of self-aggrandizement or, or, or things like that. People are going to look at this and say, eventually this almost impenetrable wall of, of media hype will get punctured if New York State has another terrible breakout. And it looks like that's what's happening right now. Um, the other aspect kind of, I think we should just kind of focus in on this for Greg, 
is that, yeah, as of yesterday, New York City public schools shut down under Bill de Blasio. And whether you like that decision or you don't like that decision, and a whole bunch of people don't like that decision. First of all, you're going to hear a lot about this because so many members of the national media live in New York City. Some members of the media who send their kids to private schools, but most private schools cost you a pretty penny, and a whole bunch of them send their kids to public schools in New York City. So this is an issue that hits really close to home. So, Greg, it would not surprise me in the slightest that while you've got school closures all across the country, the fact that New York City public schools are closed are closing down, now it's a crisis. Now it's going to be headline news. And admittedly, it's been a pretty crowd, a crowded news environment for much of the year. Is this the right decision? Well, look, the threshold they've had is for 3% positive tests. A lot of people say that's really low compared to where things are in the rest of the country. And you look at all around the, the rest of the country, in fact, around the world, Europe has its share of problems uh, regarding the you know increasing in cases and, and, and hospital capacity and all of that. But they've managed to keep the schools open for, for a good stretch through all this. People are pointing out that, wait a second, you know, schools are, are closing in New York City creating enormous problems for you know all kinds of families because there is no other place to, you have to stay home with your kids. People have jobs where they have to be at, they can't work from home. Um, but also right now in New York City, bars are open, indoor restaurants are open or gyms are open. So a couple of people have said, hey, can we, can we teach the kids inside the bars, restaurants or gyms? Is that an option? You know, so uh, it, you know, the, the decision-making doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of uh, parents. Look, I'm open to the possibility that you know, because we're seeing this spike nationwide, maybe it does justify it in New York City. Maybe it makes sense if you've been going for uh, full-time to go down two days a week. If you've been doing two days a week, maybe it makes sense to do it one day a week. But first of all, you got to give your, your parents as much warning as possible. You can't spring it on them late at night. And it makes the state and the city look like amateur hour when Cuomo and de Blasio are going out um, giving uh, completely contradictory messages. And, and what, what, if there's any good news about this, is that you saw people who are not conservatives by any stretch of the imagination, not Republicans by any stretch of the imagination, but they looked at it yesterday and they said, the entire political structure of New York City and state needs to be torn down and rebuilt from the ground up. If you want to say that the, the New York State and New York City are being terribly run, you can say that, but you can't say it's the fault of Republicans, now can you? <laughs> no, no, it's not. So I'm sure all the families of those folks in the nursing homes loved uh, to hear Andrew Cuomo say, it's your own fault if you got it, when mm. uh, he's the one that ordered the nursing homes to take back COVID-positive patients. So uh, this guy's unraveling. Like you said, it probably is because the numbers are up and it makes his personal narrative uh, far less plausible. It wasn't all that plausible in the first place, given the uh, the toll that the virus took on the, in the first couple of waves there. But uh, he's becoming more unhinged all the time and more people are noticing, including those who aren't on the right. So anyway, there's a silver lining out of all of this. Hopefully it's that his political star is tarnished. On that happy note, Jim, I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, everyone. Jim Garrity of National Review. Also remember Jim's new book, Hunting for Horsemen, is now out. You can order that in a variety of places. I'm Greg Columbus of Radio America. So glad you were with us today. Please remember to subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Uh, we love to see your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. You can also get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great day, and please join us Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch.
Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.